You're listening to The Naked Truth, queer artist interviews. I'm Peter, your host, and together we're going to sit down and unzip with some amazing creators and learn the naked truth about their work, their lives, and what it means to make art as a queer person. Thanks for joining. This show explores the area of human sexuality and contains some adult content. Today, I'm joined by Elon. They are a pansexual, multidisciplinary, autodidact artist from Baltimore, Maryland that specializes in electronic production, singing, and songwriting. They've completed four nationwide tours and performed alongside some of their favorite artists. Elon had their music featured in the Coach SS21 lookbook presentation. Elon, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, what's up, what's up, what's up? In addition to an amazing artist in your own right, I was happy to discover you and your music through a Naked Truth season one artist, Chaotic Couture. Yeah, that's my boo. That's my friend. I heard your voice and I was like, I got to talk to them. I want to see what's going on there. So your introduction makes very clear that you built yourself as an artist, certainly from a technical side of things. So can you dive right into talking about the birth of Elon as a musical creator, and you said multidisciplinary artist because you've done music videos as well. How did it all get started? I guess I was always kind of like one of those kids that was sheltered for like a second. Like I was always up under my mom, always just spent a lot of time by myself. So it allowed me to tap into my imagination in that way. I was playing with toys and not LARPing, but I would do damn near LARPing and stuff like that. Fantasy world things. And I got into anime at a really early age. So between anime and Power Rangers and that kind of stuff like sparked my imagination at a really early age. And I was kind of in that space for a while, like in that little kid zone. That zone is very musical and whimsical. Yeah, so it started out just as a kid, just singing songs and like playing around my mom, dancing around and stuff like that. And then um, it kind of became like a thing. I was like, oh, wow, I want to actually like do it like in front of like a group of people, like to see what would happen. Like, And then my mom ended up kind of being like, oh, all right, well, I'm going to like, have you sing in front of my friends at like cookouts and little, you know, gatherings and stuff. And so I was like, well, this is kind of like my practice, like, great. And I kind of just did that kind of stuff for like years. Like I didn't take it serious to the point where I was like writing songs until I was like a teenager, like 13. But before then I was really just like, there's a lot of discussions and I was practicing a lot and singing in my room and listening to music. Like I was always like a music nerd. So I always had like hella CDs and, and I always liked a lot of different music too. So when did you begin working with the equipment of your music making now? You got your voice. When you started mm-hmm. writing songs, how did you start making the ideas a reality to share with other people, you know? Like, was it at a piano? Was it using some kind of, like, garage band type thing? Or how did you transition to yeah. making it for yourself and sharing it with your friends? Okay, so my dad is, like, a singer, and he is, like, one of those people who, like, worked at music their whole life, but kind of, like, didn't really get that many results, so they kind of gave up mm. kind of thing. But when I was younger, like, at the time when I started writing songs and writing poems and stuff, I think he had just sold his first song or something like that. And so he was like, your mom told me that you like writing songs and stuff, so we should get in the studio and write some songs together and sell some more songs to people. Because he just was on this, like, wave of selling songs or something. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, cool. So it sounded like a good idea. I didn't know what I was really signing up for when I agreed to do it. 
So when I got into the studio with him, it was always him just being like, write a song like Neo would write, or write a song like Mariah Carey or Whitney Houston would write, like write a song that somebody famous like Rihanna would write. Uh, he would always just say that the whole time while I was there. So I would, I would end up writing these really corny songs that I just would assume that like some pop star would want to sing, but it's like nobody would even really probably really sing the songs. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It was just like goofy songs. Yeah, I was a teenager, so it was like whatever. It was like cute for the moment. That was basically the beginning because I was like using his equipment and like trying to be like I'm gonna like try to sneak and make some little like experimental song while I'm here and then he would always get pissed and be like no what are you doing and I would just <laughs> abandon the song that's not gonna sell go, like no, that's literally <laughs> what he would say he'd be like no one's gonna buy that and I'd be like okay and then we'd make a new like pop song and then yeah so I got into this wave of like making pop songs but secretly wanting to make more experimental songs and like trying to secretly do it when he wasn't looking or like he would leave the room or go to the store or something not be in the room just like you know, so, um, yeah that was basically the beginning well that's really funny to hear that like you said you didn't know what you're signing up for and it became right, kind right. of like a chore maybe in some way like i'm sure it was, it was interesting definitely a chore. <laughs> but while being a chore it may have let you dabble in a lot of different styles and yeah. sort of like figure things out and that brings up something i wanted to get into with the music i was listening to the three songs that you provided and thinking wow these are all kind of a different vibe from each other i was looking through your soundcloud and the hashtags or the i'm not going to call it the genre hashtag but the hashtags mm -hmm. that you were using each there was some crossover but like we've got electronic ambient npo8 r&b and soul crazy glitch there's a lot of playing around with different things and, and i wanted to ask about like your creative process what drives you to write songs? And if one of the things that does drive you to write songs is, I want to try this out. I want to experiment with this. Yeah, it's different things, but a lot of times it is like wanting to experiment and that drives a lot of the song. Right? I just feel like I want to touch on all these different places because I like so many different types of music. That's like one thing I strive to do, just have my feet in a bunch of different like ponds, you know? Mm -hmm. So I want to ask, can you talk about the role of a producer in making a song happen because that's one thing that i was noticing in the credits and obviously that's like a thing in plenty of other genres of music is the role that a producer plays in bringing the song to life and some of the stuff has been produced by you some things like aria of resilience was produced by sentinel so yeah. can you talk about both like just what a producer does in general and then working with a producer on something the producer is basically responsible for kind of like building like the sonic world and kind of also take you through these moods too, you know, as the song progresses and stuff. And then your experience working with Sentinel as producer for Aria of Resilience. Yeah, I'm into like making like stuff by myself, but I'm also really into the collaboration aspect of art. That's one of my favorite things. And like seeing how two different minds can kind of like get their little like gears to snap into place with each other. I love that moment. I was looking up a little more about Aria of Resilience on Bandcamp. So I came across that track there and there was info there about part of it came from like a Hieronymus Bosch painting and, yeah. and notes from that. And then you were talking about LARPing earlier and fantasy worlds and the whole song takes place in this fantasy world. So like who came up mm. with that idea and how did that world come together in terms of like who did what, how did it begin? I know it's touring and galleries in Europe. So like, mm -hmm. just give me the whole story. So like we were just like hanging out, me and Spencer were hanging out and like 
we were like, we should make a song. And he was just like, I had this funny idea. Like he had just learned about the notes on the Bosch painting. It's like a super microscopic, like on somebody's butt cheek or something like that. He could, so he was like, he found someone who had played it out. We found a sample of someone who had played it out. And we were like, oh, this is actually pretty crisp. Like we could just like flip this a little bit and just chop it up and make it sound cute. So we chopped it up. I feel like at the time he was really into this like death metal kind of energy, electronic death metal. So he wanted to like to be aggressive in some points and be like, if you listen to the song, it's like certain parts when the kick, it's just like, like he's like his homage to like death metal or something like that. We just playing around with a bunch of different ideas, like, and kind of just talking about like just what the Bosch painting notes made us feel. And then I just started writing immediately just like from our conversations, just immediately started writing down lyrics about just this story based off of this world we kind of just like built. Cause the song just automatically makes you think of like old and medieval time shit. So it's just like, what else you gonna think about but fairy tales and dragons and like, you know what I mean? Like Game of Thrones type shit or something like that. So mm-hmm. it's like- Can you go through the story for people who haven't heard the song yet? I mean, one of the refrains involves saying, you know, that I'll sleep till I die, which is also kind of a fairy tale thing, right? But can you take us through the story? Who's the person speaking? What's the world? I guess I'm singing from the perspective of a person who is like their partner has gone off to fight some kind of like force that was like, I know you're not coming back from this. This Mm -hmm. is crazy. Like the fact that you're even going to do this and you promised me that you wasn't going to do this and they snuck off and it was like they felt like it was like their birthright to go fight this thing. But then it's like you feel like the ultimate betrayal that you were just left behind and it's like now you're alone. So it's really sad, really morbid, but that's also beautiful sometimes too, you know. Absolutely. I think that's one of the areas where I vibe the most. I am a sucker for like terrible farewells. You Me know? Too. I love that. <laughs> that. I just love to cry and feel things when I hear music. Wow. That's also a very anime thing. Yeah, you know? hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, I love anime music. Like it gets me every time. It's a really beautiful piece. I've really enjoyed listening to it. And I'm glad to know some more of the who did what because there is this conflict between the harp sample and this more archaic world. And then you've got, they felt very 90s, these big hits mm, and, and yeah. yeah, that death metal drum bit that comes in. And so you get a sense of the conflict off somewhere else, but yeah. it's so loud, you're still hearing it in the place where the person is singing. It's just great. But I Thank want you. from like the perspective of someone who works in spaces, I'm sure like you've done plenty of club DJing, you've done, I'm guessing, um, <laughs> oh, plenty, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> plenty of situations where you've got your song and it's not like a classical recital or something where it's like mm-hmm. silence to start and then it fades into silence and then people applaud. This is something that probably is going to be sandwiched in between two other things and you're probably gonna cross fade from the previous thing to this one. And so right. uh, what I'm getting to with that is that with everything you sent me, it was just over at some point because mm-hmm. probably you're gonna cross fade into something else. Because this kind of song is set up to cross fade into something else, how do you know when it's over? Mm. Like when you're writing it? It's kind of just about the feeling for real. Just knowing your song too. I think that's really important to like know, like literally like I listen to my song so much sometimes that I know like <laughs> at this point, this is at three minutes and you like literally you can just timestamp it in your head once you become obsessed with it enough. But it depends. Rehearsal, just knowing your music, the vibe of it, just feeling it out and just really knowing. 
I feel like I wouldn't really transition that song with like a dance song afterwards. It would be something really ambient to kind of like more like strip down and then build back up. Can you talk about DJing and the way that either you put a set together? Can you talk about the mentality of it? Sometimes I really put together sets like I like try to curate a whole vibe or like Mm -hmm. a whole like aesthetic through a just like a collection of music, you know? Mm Whether it be like, oh, Y2K, this, or anime energy, or like, you know, it's like another outlet of being creative. It's another art. It's just like cooking. It's just like making a collage. just like the same, you know, just putting different elements together to make the full picture. So DJing is just like that, too. It's just like within the last couple of years, I've been trying to make songs that I feel like I can play at the club or, or throw into like, if I wanted to do like a house set. You know, I could throw into a house set. As soon as we can all get back out there in uh, the yeah. world, and we're getting close, but... Uh, I'm, I'm getting my second shot tomorrow. I'm oh, sorry. man, awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting mine Monday. Yeah. So you have the honor of being the first pansexual artist to appear on the Naked Truth show. Um, really? Yeah. And so could you talk about your journey of sexuality and identity? We talked a little bit about your musical journey, but I want to hear about that aspect of personal discovery hmm okay well basically i'm still discovering too you know i'm like it's still an ongoing process i'm always learning new things about myself Mm. you know and i feel like i only call myself pansexual because it was a moment where i had to specify but normally i don't even like i'm like whatever (laughs) like you know specifying is a problem itself i feel like we're doing a lot of work to deconstruct a lot of things and i feel like it just kind of makes you feel weird about the whole thing. Everything. <laughs> like, I'd be like, why do we even call flowers flowers? Like, mm. <laughs> why, like yeah. what if the flower didn't want that? What if the flower can speak for itself? What would it say? <laughs> like, mm. Yeah. I get that where it's like, I'm using a label that's different than the majority, but that's still mm. a label designed by the system. So am I still buying into the system? Exactly, exactly. But I try not to go crazy thinking about it because it's like labels do have use. So it's like, that's just how language is, you know? So when did you start questioning like that? When did you start beginning to think, I don't know if I sign on to all of this stuff? I just kind of like always felt like that, even at an early age, even when I actually started feeling feelings for like the same sex or like different sexes or like all these different things. I started, I still was just like, afraid because I knew that once I proclaimed it to the world, then that means I was going to be like this thing that people can also attach these other opinions and thoughts and all this other stuff to. That always blew my mind. Like to this day, being perceived by people just like, it's trippy for me sometimes. Yeah. I remember growing up and gay being a slur. And so mm-hmm. I didn't have any agony around like, oh, I'm into guys, but I didn't want to say that I was gay because I knew that was a bad thing and I was already like I wasn't cool or anything that's not going to help right. my case right. and so just that struggling with I don't want to become part of something that means you can make all these assumptions about me exactly that but I also in the same breath like I get people reproclaiming things and like giving things a new definition I think that's dope that we, we can do that too I think it's cool but I should be like, whatever. I, I just tell people I'm just into fluidity. Like, I'm just like a fluid being, a spirit in a vessel. Like, you know, we're just going through this vibe. <laughs> Hence they, them as well. Exactly. You know, it's just like, I'm not too attached to this body. Well, really. Can you talk about your handle then, Elon Battle? 
I introduced you as Elon. Can I use that in the interview? I can cut that out. Um, oh, that's cool. You can use my oh, name. That's my name. Cool. I did. Well, I, <laughs> is is that so? That's another question. Is that your name or is that a handle? Is that's that my a, actual name. That's my birth well, name. Goddamn. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, oh, that's okay. It's out there. That's such a poetic. Just, uh, <laughs> you know, there's so much like weight that could be put into a last name like Battle. Oh God. <laughs> that's probably what they was thinking too when they when they made it up. <laughs> A strong last name. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. I feel like I'm the one person in the battle family that's like <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> the one person in the battle family that's not signed up for the war. No, literally, I'm just like, I'm just chilling. Like, <laughs> just, just hanging out. Well, can we talk a little more about Many Moons? I think in the ones that you sent me, that's the oldest one. That's from yeah. 2016. I'm guessing you also did the music video for that. My friend named Gabriel made the video for that one, actually. Gotcha. And he's an artist I met uh, in New York while I was just up there partying and stuff. And he heard, like, we heard my song. He was like, "Wow, I love this. We should like work together." And I was like, "Cool, let's do it." I noticed really, I guess with all of them, though, I'd love to get more insight into hyperstimulation, but your mode of storytelling seems to be, I'm not going to say not personal. It seems to be like little fish tanks or something. It's like, here's, yeah. here's, a, <laughs> here's a whole world set up for you to enjoy. Like yeah, exactly. little bubble worlds of like, here's the world of the song. Yeah, it's giving like, it's very much so like you put the headset on, the VR headset, and just choose your option of what world you want to be in. And then mm. it's just like, bloop, <laughs> and then that's the song, then the song starts. <laughs> sure. Some people write very explicitly from a personal place. So mm -hmm. like, can you talk about the process of either like turning something personal into that bubble, or maybe this goes back to the Aria of Resilience and the Bosch painting kind of idea where it's just like, maybe this is getting back to the same experimenting thing. Like, what's my take on the bubble of many moons? What's my mm -hmm. take on the bubble of a Game of Thrones world? Mm -hmm. But uh, many moons, the way it came together was really weird because my friend was making that beat for his EP and he had two versions of the beat. <laughs> and he released one version of the beat on his EP. And I was like, oh, okay, that's cool, whatever. But then I was like going through his laptop one day and I found the other version. And I was like, this actually sounds crazy. It sounds sick. And I switched like a couple things up on the beat and I was like, wow. But it was like the first time I really was like making like a song that I felt like it was getting closer to like that techno vibe that I was really trying to like accomplish. And like, it also had breaks in it too. So it was like, it still felt like very Baltimore club. So I was like, okay, cool. And instead of, I think it just kind of like, yeah, I just immediately started telling the story. Like as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, I'm starting to sing the ideas. Like I'm, it's coming to me right now. Like, and I was just immediately singing about reminiscing and like, or just like this feeling of seeing somebody that you haven't seen in a long time, like a childhood friend that you probably was even like, I kind of have a question you, but like you had to move away, like, and we couldn't be friends or something like that. It's like, now I see you from like an adult perspective and it's like, oh, hey, do you remember me? It's like, kind of like the like, do you, do you remember me song? Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was a bit of a trip to see that it was from 2016 because I was like, well, this is the anthem for, you know, post-vaccination 2021. <laughs> <laughs> True, wow, it, the, the energy is- it's It the is same. the same energy. <laughs> well, so- 
I want to ask about the pandemic and it's God, like last year when I was doing episodes, it was just like, what are you looking forward to when it's post pandemic? But like that definition has gone out the window too. It feels like, cause like we're getting vaccinated, but whole other countries are not accessing the vaccine. There's all of the same inequities that happen with basically every other resource you're having the vaccine too. So like post vaccinated is a weird thing to ask. So like, just talk about COVID. Okay. Actually, you know what? COVID literally has like been strangely productive and positive in like a lot of ways for me. It was like messed up in some ways, but it was definitely like, I got a lot of work done. I have at least like two albums worth of music or at least like three EPs worth of music. Wow. And I have it like, which is not that much because some people make like hundreds of songs in a week or something like that, but I'm not that person. I'm the person who just like sits back and really like plots and you know, really. But for me to do like 20 something songs in the course of a couple months is like still like, wow. Yeah. It's a lot. Even like one year, I just was like, like I had one friend that was kind of in my little pod mm-hmm. and they would come over and we were still just like, just record. Like the moment I got back from, cause I was on tour when the pandemic started, I was in Canada. And then they was like, we canceled all the rest of the shows. So we're like, had to go home. We had to drive home from Canada <laughs> that day. It was, yeah. So from that moment on, I was already like depressed and just like, uh, I have to like figure out how to keep this energy. Cause I was on such a like high, like doing shows and like night yeah. after night, like in different cities. Like I love touring, that's my thing. And like when I had to come home, I was like, I had to keep working or do something to keep this energy alive. So I just started making this project with my friend and then we just continued to make more and more songs. And that's how I make my own songs. And then Started working with other producers. Yeah, so then I made a couple of videos. I have a manager now that I met. I did the coach thing. There's been some cool things happening since. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm loving it. I'm loving this energy. That's great. Because so much of the stuff has been happening during this time. I mean, obviously you were doing a national tour or internationally. You went to Canada before. So it's not like things were not good before and you found your groove in COVID. But how are you feeling I am nervous about getting vaccinated tomorrow. I do think it might take like a show or two for me to really get back into the swing of doing shows and being in front of people, like a big crowd of people again. It's been a long time since I did that. Well, at least like a year and a half. It's been like, that's like kind of long for me. Like I used to do shows like almost every other weekend or something, at least every weekend or something like that. You know what I mean? Like it would vary. Some months I would just have shows every weekend. Some months I'd be like two shows per month. It'd be different, but I still was like always on shows or like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was never just like not for a whole year. You're not doing a whole show, <laughs> like a show. Yeah. Like, so, uh, but I also have been like still singing in my house and I'm always writing songs and, you know, making songs. So I'm just like, yeah. I'm trying to make sure I keep some of my muscles flexed a little bit and, you know, so I don't get too rusty. But I definitely feel like it might be, I'm going to try to make sure that I have a show that I'm going to be on my tip top shape. Mm-hmm. Make sure I don't scream too much. Make sure I don't drink too much, do too much, anything. <laughs> just, like, just make sure I keep it cool so I can like have a nice performance. want to make sure my when I come back, it's going to be like boom. Well, the show's called The Naked Truth. And this is something that I actually have dropped the ball with with a few previous interviewees. I'd love to talk about what it means for you to be naked. Like what's a positive way for you to be naked? And that can literally be in whatever way you want. It could be social, it could be creative, it could be sexual. But like, what does it mean for you to be naked? Hmm. I think the best way I would probably think, cause I feel like 
low-key, I'd be dealing with body dysmorphia stuff. So I don't always feel that like in my best self when I'm naked, naked, mm-hmm. like clothes naked. But I think when I'm vulnerable, when I'm able to be vulnerable with somebody, with my friends, when I have those kind of connections with people, I feel like it starts to become like telekinetic and stuff like that. Like I feel like I can like read their mind almost. And I feel like I treasure those kind of connections so much, like being able to be very vulnerable with people and open and like cry and like talk about your fears and your hopes and dreams or that kind of shit. Like I love the moment of finding some your person and you can just do that with somebody. That's great. Yeah. Well, Thank you so much for spending some time with me, Elon. Please keep us informed about those singles when they come out and, you know, any new album stuff. The show doesn't stop with this interview, but we want to keep putting your stuff out there. Of course, yeah. I'll I'll let you know. Thanks. (laughs) All right. Great talking to you. Absolutely. Thanks for spending some time with us on The Naked Truth. If you want to learn more about this episode's artist, be sure to look through the links in the podcast description please consider how you can support the creative people on this show and in your community. Art helps us all get through, and that's the naked truth.